What is happening? Welcome to episode 228 of your favorite podcast, the Gordia Podcast. I'm your show, mainly today we are going to talk about the basics of the endocrine system with a focus on negative feedback loop. This is full of information, so have your notepads ready. As always, Gordia Podcast brought to you by Revive Summons, brought to you by Raw Supplements. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support your boy. As always, leave us a five-star rating review. Share us with your friends. Check us out on YouTube. I would love to see you there. All right, guys, today I just want to give a brief overview. This is really going to help um, athletes and coaches alike and really just anyone who's a science nerd like myself. It's, I think it's just really going to help us understand um, biofeedback and what's going on and be able to, to read things um, that are happening within maybe our lab work or what we're feeling or things. Um, I just I want to go over the basics of the endocrine system and I was putting together uh, modules for my mentorship uh, build out, which is really getting extremely cool. So definitely uh, inquire about that um, with me if you have not already, because man, this thing is awesome. Um, and I love helping the people that I'm working with. It's, it's phenomenal. So we're going to talk about some um, really feedback loops. It's a foundational concept. Uh, we're probably going to talk about hormones, discussion of blood pressure, body temperature regulation, things like I, I have some notes pulled up here. I'm probably going to go a little bit off the script, but you've probably listened to a lot of podcasts and been like, well, how does that work? Like, how does the body understand what to do here and there? And how does it regulate these things? And uh, an easy way to put this, so like, you know, we get lab work done, right? And we read the lab work and, you know, we make adjustments and things to help the body be able to best process and operate what's going on, right? But the idea of the foundational principles I'm going to talk about today is that your body's pretty much doing blood work all the time. And no, it's not going to give you this printout at any given moment. It's just consistently running um, and sensing what's going on. It's very perceptive to changes that are happening. So it's, it's important to understand uh, just to be able to better help athletes, to better help yourself and be able to zoom out and figure out what's going on. It's important to understand that the, the body's constantly sensing, adapting, perceiving and changing things inside of it. Um, and there's a foundational concept of negative feedback that the word itself, negative feedback, sounds negative. It doesn't sound good, but it's a very important part of what we're doing, and it's actually a very positive thing in terms of keeping our homeostatic values in as stable a place as possible for our body to best survive and thrive in, right? So, a negative feedback system is comprised of three components. So there's a receptor, uh, which basically just monitors the physiological values going on. There's uh, the value, that value the receptor picks up on, it's reported to a control center, which is a component in the feedback system that compares that value to a range that your body ideally likes for its optimal homeostasis. And if that value deviates too much from a point, the console, the control center activates an effector, which is the third part of the negative feedback system. This is the component that causes a change to reverse a situation or just change the situation and get within the homeostatic range that your body wants to be in. So let's take body temperature, for example. We get hot. 
there's a sensor, which is a nerve cell in your skin. And in the brain, there's the regulatory center. And your skin, the nerve cells in your skin tell your brain that it's hot. The brain will communicate with the sweat, the sweat glands, which is the effector in the body, and that's how we sweat and we cool off, and that's our, temperature, our body temperature regulation. That's all a negative feedback loop. So there's the stimulus, which is a deviation from the set point. It's resisted through the physiological process, and then the physiological process just returns it to status quo. So a negative feedback loop has these basic parts that I outlined, and body temperature is one of those. There's hormones, blood glucose, like hormones, right? So you start using anabolic steroids. Well, what's the negative feedback loop? Well, your body sends a response to your testes, to your pituitary, to your endocrine system that, hey, uh, I don't need um, these sex hormones made because they're being exogenously um, injected into me and my, my human body is handling them, uh, so I don't need to, right? Uh, but like I said, like in the control of blood sugar, this, this is a pretty easy one. The specific endocrine cells are part of this hormonal system, but um, they, these cells in the pancreas just detect excess glucose, um, which is the stimulus in the bloodstream. And there's beta cells in the pancreas that respond to the increased level of blood glucose, of blood glucose by releasing insulin into the bloodstream. So that's the response. So now the insulin will signal to skeletal muscle fibers, fat cells, liver cells, take up the extra glucose, remove it from the bloodstream. Now glucose concentration drops. So the actual negative feedback is detected by the pancreatic alpha cells, and now the insulin stops. So the beta cells in the pancreas release, tell the pancreas to release insulin. And then the insulin drops the blood glucose concentration. And when it reaches the value of homeostasis that your body likes, the alpha cells in the pancreas say, hey, that's enough. And the insulin stops. This prevents blood sugar swings. And um, if, if obviously, if you're a diabetic, you take too much insulin, you're going to see that drop, which we want to avoid. Or if you're using exogenous insulin and you take too much, you know, we want to avoid that. Um, and when we do see that drop, we want to, you know, bring it back up. You'll feel it. There's not going to be a lot of guesswork. You're going to know what's going on. want to bring that back up by ingesting some simple sugars or something to get us back within a range. But your body... We're going to assume throughout this podcast that we're talking about, you know, healthy individuals that don't have, you know, X, Y, and Z. Your body is able to maintain this blood glucose uh, variance within the range that it likes based on its history, based on um, every, all the stressors, everything that it's ever learned from how you operate. And it keeps us in that range. We don't want to be below range. We don't want to be above range. We're looking for a sweet spot. And the negative feedback just helps us to achieve that. So humans have a temperature regulatory system. We have blood glucose regulatory system. We have uh, uh, hormonal regulatory system. All these regulations that are constantly receiving data. So let's talk about the temperature regulation system a bit more. Um, So we have this temperature regulation system when the brain's temperature receives data from sensors, like I discussed earlier, that the body's temperature exceeds the normal range. 
It stimulates a cluster of cells like brain cells that are referred to as the heat loss center. And now there's three major effects that happen. Number one, blood vessels in the skin dilate. And this allows more blood from the body to flow to the surface of the skin, which allows heat to radiate into the environment. So we're losing heat based on the core of our body releasing it to the surface of the skin. As blood flow to the skin increases, sweat glands are activated to increase their output. Sweat evaporates from the surface of the skin into the air. It takes heat with it. The depth of respiration increases. <sighs> and a person may breathe through an open mouth instead of just nasal breathing because that is taking heat loss from the lungs. When we have exposure to cold, it reduces blood flow to the skin and blood returns into a network of deep veins, traps the heat close to the body, restricts heat loss, which is the exact opposite mechanism of what we're seeing at a higher temperature. It's a negative feedback loop. So when it's hot, we're looking to rid ourselves of heat. When it's cold, we're looking to keep heat. Now, if heat loss is severe, the brain triggers an increase in random signals to skeletal muscles, which cause them to contract, and this is when you shiver. Those contractions use up ATP. The brain triggers the thyroid gland and the endocrine system to release thyroid hormone. So your thyroid activity is higher when you're colder and when you're shivering. This increases metabolic activity and increases heat production in the body. This is a negative feedback loop. So all these systems communicate across all these network, and they, they're supposed to speak the same language, right, through all these chemical messengers. Negative feedback is sort of its own messaging system. It kind of DMs itself, and it's essentially just signaling the body to engage in physiological responses. Now, beyond the thyroid piece, the brain also signals the adrenal glands to release epinephrine, adrenaline, which is a hormone that causes the breakdown of glycogen into glucose which can be used as an energy source. The breakdown of glycogen into glucose resorts an increase in metabolism and heat production. So having the epinephrine playing a role in this signaling, in addition to what's going on with some of our other hormones, is pretty fascinating here. As I've mentioned, the, the negative feedback related to the blood glucose that we've talked about in temperature, what's the connection here nutritionally? Your calorie consumption. Your fat source sends out the hormone leptin to signal the brain the overall level of energy we stored in the body. It's like uh, your battery, your phone battery, right? Constantly gives you a percentage of how much battery you have. So leptin is signaling to the brain. So if I'm eating food from the grocery store, like I, I prep a meal, the energy's coming in, it's becoming energy intake, and your brain is going to decide, am I using that for energy right now? Am I going to save it for a physical activity later? Am I going to store this as fat or in muscle tissue? So we have fat stores that leptin is signaling to the brain, letting it know that it's, you know, what needs to happen with the energy coming in. And the short term, while the brain and leptin are figuring that out, we have other satiety signals that will rise after a meal. So I ate a meal. Um, I have, you know, insulin, GLP-1, which is this glucagon-like peptide. Um, others, these fall if we haven't eaten in a while. And then we have ghrelin, which is a hunger-stimulating hormone that falls in response to eating. So all this is just negative feedback. We're hungry, ghrelin raises. We eat, leptin goes to the brain, ghrelin drops. The brain communicates with leptin, about what should I do with this energy based on the demands that are put on your body right then and there. 
Easy peasy, right? Now, food quality matters. Hyper palatable food, stress, sleep loss messes with all this negative feedback system. By the time you guys see this podcast, it's going to be a good bit after um, uh, this Instagram post I made. But today I made an Instagram post about diet hunger hacks. And in one of them, I said, eat like an adult. I like Skittles more than any of you listening to this podcast times a trillion. I don't care how much you like Skittles. I like them one trillion times more than you do. I'm positive of that. But why the fuck would I fill my daily calories with Skittles? Now, I'm not saying don't ever have Skittles. It's a hyper palatable food. It's a food that doesn't have much nutritional value. Back in the day, we're freaking humans, right? And we all love Skittles. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't love Skittles, I rate you a one star. No, I'm just kidding. I still think you're awesome because you're listening to the podcast. But those foods do not help with this negative feedback system because they're not satiating. They don't have nutritional value that our leptin can talk to the brain about, hey, you know, this is awesome. We can use this for this. Your body wants to be able to survive and thrive, and it's taken in these, you know, hyperpalatable foods that it's like, well, I can't freaking do anything with this. I can't build anything off this. So, again, I'm not saying before anyone comes at me, I'm not saying don't have these things. Look, I compete on Saturday after that show. I'm smashing some cheesecake. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, 98% of our choices should probably be on track because we need to just simply respect our body and what it does for us, right? You don't listen to this podcast if you're not training hard in the gym and trying to improve your your mental, trying to improve your professional, and trying to improve your physical. So you can improve all three of those things by just simply eating like an adult. Back on track. Once we've taken physical dysfunction far enough through insulin or leptin resistance, we can have pretty deeply seated dysfunction in this feedback loop or significant problems when it comes to this feedback mechanism based off of how many hyperpalatable foods, based on low sleep, based on high stress. And you can really skew uh, what's happening within um, our body from a body composition standpoint, from a mental cognition standpoint, make it very hard to lose body fat. We can really move ourselves away from uh, the metabolic status quo of where your body likes to be. Um, and this will bleed into sex hormones, adrenals, thyroid, all that stuff. Um, so it's like when I talk about sleep stress and food quality, like there's a literal physiological resistance to these things. <laughs> It blows my mind when people don't respect them. Get your seven hours of sleep. Keep your stress low. Eat like an adult. Some other hormone access that we should be aware of. Adrenals, thyroid sex hormones, all have feedback loops. I'm going to run through them real quick. So thyroid hormones, the hypothalamus releases thyrotropin-releasing hormone, TRH, which communicates with the pituitary to release, to release TSH, which is thyroid-stimulating hormone, so then the pituitary releases TSH. It signals to the thyroid to release thyroid hormones. All right. So we have TSH that um, uh, simulates T4. T4 gets converted into T3, which is the active metabolic hormone in your body. And I know I've talked about this before. I'm sure you've listened to my podcast on it before. And so there's a, a sensor in the hypothalamus that detects the level of thyroid hormone and when they're adequate, the hypothalamus stops secreting TRH as in a healthy individual. When we have thyroid dysfunction, this does not happen. We continue dropping TRH, raising TSH, not getting T4, or not converting T4 to T3. One of those items happens. So we need to figure out 
um, you know, through biofeedback and through blood work, where in the system is that cog? That's how it's supposed to work in healthy individuals. We have the adrenals. Same thing here, HPA axis, cortisol. Um, CRH goes to ACTH and then cortisol. Cortisol create feedback that will be sensed by the hypothalamus and when levels are adequate, hypothalamus stops the secretion of CRH, which is a precursor to cortisol. So, again, like I said, we're talking about healthy individuals. Like This is basically textbook examples of negative feedback because with this, podcast, like I said, I was just making mentorship modules. And in my mentorship, obviously, I'm going to go over how to fix these things. But right here, right now, I just want everyone to be able to understand simple functionality of the endocrine system. Um, But there's things that can happen along the way. Um, And a lot of times we're talking about um, someone who has leptin resistance, insulin resistance, sex hormone issues, etc. So we can dive in a little bit. We can dive in a little bit. It's going to be helpful for you. It's going to be helpful for your clients. Okay. So the body is very perceptive to things like stress and energy. It constantly adapts. It's constantly following, um, you know, the feedback systems that are in place. So, um, like, we can respond to a number of stimuli, right? Um, We eat too much calories, you store as body fat. You eat too little, you'll you'll mobilize energy, you'll you'll, you'll drop body fat. Um, Sex hormones, reproductive hormones, they they operate on this same loop, right? So FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, LH, luteinizing hormone from the pituitary gland, those are gonadotropins. And they'll signal ovaries or the testicles to create sex hormones, um, at which point they feed back and prevent FSH and LH secretion levels, which are adequate. And the entire female menstrual cycle operates on a negative feedback loop where the thermostat in the brain changes throughout the month to control the levels of the hormones released. So this is also very true of men's health, testosterone, fertility, all of these things. Commonly, you'll see men with testosterone or fertility issues that we're focusing on fixing something going on in the testes when the reality is we need to fix something going on in the brain. So these feedback loops are extremely critical. And when we're looking at overall hormonal health, um, we need to understand how they work to, you know, be able to understand when you see blood work, how everything is communicating with one another. Um, so a lot of people only look at the end result or like a byproduct of the process as opposed to understanding how they work back to all the way to the brain. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, fall short of being able to fix issues in people. Um, this, the brain is ultimately the captain and it's the control center of what's going on. So there's very few people that are paying attention to the communication. Uh, and then, you know, we have a downstream of cortisol or thyroid or progesterone or estradiol, testosterone. And so we hyperfixate and focus on one sex hormone. We're not seeing the symphony is going on everywhere else. And um, it's like a contract key, just understanding the philosophical components of how the endocrine system works in the first place, how metabolism works, all of that stuff. Um, you know, you know, when, when I really dove into all this and became fascinated with endocrinology, hormones, it was really this waterfall concept of, holy shit, everything is so connected. Let, let me use like metabolic adaptation as an example, right? So the thermostat analogy. So, um, 
the thermostat, based on whatever the thermostat is set to, the heat or the AC is going to cut on or off based on the temperature that's actually going on, right? So we have this environment. But what's happening is where the thermostat is set. So with this in my, with most standard cases of metabolic adaptation, the brain takes what the thermostat was originally set to and turns the dial. So essentially for certain hormones like thyroid and sex hormones, that dial will be lower, but then there's an environmental cue that's going to impact this thermostat to a degree. So um, since testosterone in men controls the function related to production um, and mating procreation, this involves a lot of resources, and metabolic adaptation only occurs when we have low physiological bandwidth or low resources. So a low energy state, like when you're in a contest prep, is a good example of this. You're in a contest prep, and you're not supplementing with exogenous testosterone and your testosterone levels are going to drop. You're in a contest prep. Your ability to reproduce is going to drop because we don't have the resources available. So the thermostat in the brain for testosterone levels is you know, set a lot lower than it usually would be because resources are scarce. If you're under high stress, then the negative feedback loop is going to be about the same. It's functioning correctly under high stress, and you have low energy availability. Um, who, who, you know, you're not on hormone replacement therapy. You're not on exogenous hormone. If you have high stress, low food availability, you're going to see a transient change where the body's lowering testosterone output. It's just a simple response to the environment, um, and your body is just doing its job in terms of regulating the hormone levels based on what's available. So. Let me give you something tangible here um, in the case of like lab interpretation. So we we need to be able to overview the entire downstream of what's happening. And, and there's so many different hormonal lab panels uh, like LH, FSH, and the actual testosterone, estrogen, um, and all that. So let's look at low T. If, if we have low T, and luteinizing hormone levels are very low on our lab work. Testosterone levels are low then it's probably going to be an issue within the brain rather than, you know, in the testes, right? This could be a case of somewhere to have like testicular cancer or a procedure that's impairing the function and production of testosterone. But if LH levels are elevated and testosterone is low, then we have an issue in the testicles. So the testicles are getting extremely high signaling, but they're just not producing testosterone in that case. So you can critically think based on your understanding, listening to the Grow Die podcast, what to do here and what we need to focus on. Let's say we have hunger issues. We're always hungry. We know that the negative feedback system of calorie consumption is somewhat dysfunctional. So we have to look into, you know, where where along this brain cortisol sex hormone axis is something off, it's likely going to be a testosterone situation. And it comes back to, well, where's LH? LH is low, brain. LH is high, testosterone is low, testes. Now we know where to focus. There's going to be clients who are healthy, lean, and a deficit for a long time because they're dieting. They're going to get hungry. But then there's clients who just have dysregulated hunger and cravings that despite what we're able to do, they just can't get into a steep calorie deficit. They're just not able to handle it. So we decrease hyperpalatable foods. We work on stress reduction. We work on sleep quality and all of that stuff, our, deci- our nutrition decision-making, insulin sensitivity. We, you know, we talk about this all the time, and we, we want to fix those things. Now, 
if we're in a poor state of metabolic health already, we need to find a dietary pattern that allows him to create an environment with stable blood sugar that we can potentially help uh, the hunger and cravings. So we might need to adjust their macronutrients according to their activity level, increasing protein, you know, X, Y, Z, right? If, if, if we kept talking about all the different negative feedback examples, this is going to be like a three or four hour show. And I have four minutes left of my recording time in this studio. Um, so let's, kind of start wrapping things up here. What we have to understand is what's going on environmentally. Our brain is constantly responding to that. We're seeing the thermostat constantly adjust. Let's say under high stress, we see changes in sex hormone, energy availability. Um, it's impacting everything. Occasionally, we'll see these changes as possible. It's just different stages of a client's journey is going to have dysfunction in one particular area. Not everything's always going to be perfect. So this is where an understanding comes You know, more of, is this a short-term sacrifice or is this an actual problem that's transient that's going on um, that, that we need to look at? If someone's recomping, they're making progress, they're doing great, um, but, you know, they're, they're, they've made strides in their labs, you know, whatever it is, but they, they just aren't seeing changes on this scale or they're not seeing changes to their training or whatever. We need to be able to understand, well, your visuals are changing every single week. So right now it's a give take of, well, you know, your physique's looking better. So I know the scale's not moving. I know training might not be, be getting better and what you know, whatnot, but we have to be able to just take one piece of the pie. That's the biggest piece of the pie at that time, focus on that. And then when that piece of pie is maximized, we, you know, focus on the other items. Cause like I said, it's not going to be a perfect situation always. Commonly in a health phase, we can make it a perfect situation, but obviously the progression we can make in that phase is going to, you know, be less than a hard push phase. Commonly in a dieting phase, you're going to see hunger dysregulation, thyroid dysregulation, some mood irregulation, things of the like, but that's a short-term sacrifice because we're hungry. In a hard building phase, we might see some insulin dysregulation. We need to fix it. We might see some digestive dysregulation. Are we getting closer or further from the goal with how hard we're pushing these things? And you need to be able to understand when we are getting to a point where that feedback loop has switched to this is now detrimental rather than this is just a short-term sacrifice. How do we pull back? How do we fix things? And how do we adjust from there? So my main goal here is just to really be able to help you understand the endocrine system functionality. I think we did a good job of that today. These are some really complex topics. I only got like a half hour uh, to be able to nail it. So this was mostly about negative feedback. I would love to be able to teach you more about metabolism, hormones, how nutrition, all this come into play with my with the endocrine system. The reality is in a podcast format, it's just going to be really difficult to do. If you want to check out my mentorship, I would love to give you information. So you can email me at justin at teammahaley.com. Um, but like I said, I'm going to keep crushing some content on this for you guys to give you guys a little bit more information here and there as I'm able to. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. As always, I'll see you next time.